The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three strangers standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So the stranger said, do as you have said. And Abraham hasted into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf tender and good and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. The stranger said to Abraham, where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, there, in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Overhearing this, Sarah laughed, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I be fruitful? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time, I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, Yes, you did laugh. Now, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to divorce her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She shall bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had given birth to a son and named him Jesus. So last Sunday, I stood up here and I pointed out that there were two annunciation stories in the gospel, one to Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, and the other to the Virgin Mary. Both annunciations were delivered by the angel Gabriel. Last Sunday, I was wrong. In fact, there are three Annunciation stories in the Gospels. The third one is the Annunciation Joseph received in the passage that I just read. The Annunciation delivered in a dream by another angel telling Joseph to be not afraid and then assuring him that Mary was telling him the truth. And so Advent, the season of Advent... There are angels all around us. So what about you? Do you 
personally believe in angels. Honestly, for years, I was a skeptic. Angels seem way too far out there for me. I filed them in the same category as mermaids. And then I discovered that I was confusing angels with cherubim and seraphim. Cherubim and seraphim are the highest level of celestial beings in the Bible. They are winged creatures that fly around the heavenly throne of God. E.g., the classic old hymn, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, cherubim and seraphim bowing down before thee. Angels are different. In the celestial order, they are much lower than cherubim and seraphim. They are much more grounded. They prefer to hang around on earth. In the Bible, angels look like ordinary human beings, people like you and me who do not have wings. In the classic movie, It's a Wonderful Life, Clarence the Angel rescues George after he jumps off a bridge into freezing water. And later that evening, George says, well, if you really are an angel, where are your wings? To which Clarence replies, I am an ASC angel. What on earth does that mean? George asks. Clarence answered, ASC means angel second class. I haven't earned my wings yet. And then at the end of the movie, this beautiful line where Clarence says, every time you hear a bell ring, an angel has earned their wings. The angels in the gospel stories are all ASC angels, all angels second class. And this is true in the Hebrew Bible as well. There is no mention of wings on the angel who appeared to Moses in the burning bush, nor are there wings on the angel Nathan when he confronted King David. But my favorite story is the wingless angels in our first reading when Abraham and Sarah invite three strangers into their house for dinner. Years later, the book of Hebrews recounts that story with the following words to all of us. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some have entertained angels unaware. Some of us have entertained angels unaware. Frederick Buechner summed that up beautifully. He said, we don't expect to see angels, so we don't. So what's the purpose of an angel? In the biblical Hebrew, angel is pronounced malak. In the biblical Greek, angel is pronounced angelos. In both languages, the definition means simply messenger. An angel is someone who delivers a message from God. And those messages can range from correction to comfort, and in many, many cases, encouragement. Some years ago, the late John Updike wrote a wonderful little story about an angel. He titled it, Pharaoh's Caddy. He begins with these words. When Pharaoh signed up with seven other aging members of his local Long Island golf club for a week of golf at the Royal Links in Scotland, he was not aware that in Scotland, golf was not an accessory to life, drawing upon one's marginal energy. Rather, in Scotland, golf was life, played out of the center of one's being. He also did not foresee the relationship with his caddy, a hunched little man in a billed tweed cap who seemed to appear out of nowhere from the misty morning haze. Appearing out of nowhere, he introduced himself to Pharaoh, saying, 
Sandy's what they call me. When it was time for Farrell to take his first drive, Sandy reached into the bag and handed him a seven iron. But the green was completely out of sight. What's the distance, Farrell asked. The caddy replied, 138 to the edge of the green, near 150 to the pin. I can't hit a seven iron, 150, Farrell shouted. I can't even hit it 140 against this wind. Yet the caddy's fist in a fingerless wool glove did not withdraw the offered club. Update concludes. Farrell and his caddy began to grow into one another as a foot in damp weather grows into a shoe. Sandy consistently handed Farrell one club too short to make the green. His caddy was handing him the club to the stronger golfer, Leighton in Farrell. And it was Farrell's job to let the superior performer out, to release him from his stiff, soft, more than middle-aged body. Now that's an angel. Angels are messengers that seem to appear out of nowhere, messengers that encourage us to be and to do our best, even when it seems impossible, even when it seems laughable. Which brings us full circle to our first reading. I love this story. That's why I love the Hebrew Bible, because it's so bloody human. One day, three strangers appear at the doorstep of Abraham and Sarah, In keeping with the Jewish custom of welcoming a stranger, they invite them in for a lavish meal. After dinner, Abraham and the three strangers are enjoying snifters of Grand Meunier and smoking their pipes. And suddenly, one of them looks over at Abraham and says, We have a message for you, Abe. A few weeks from now, your wife is going to have a baby. At which point, I imagine Abraham thinking, How do I politely tell these three guys that they typed the wrong address into their iPhone? How do I tell them that my wife is way, way past that age to have a baby? And the best part, Sarah, who is eavesdropping from the kitchen, when she hears this, she bursts out laughing. She laughs so hard and so loud, God hears it all the way up into heaven. That's what angels do. Sometimes they deliver messages that are laugh out loud, unbelievable you got to be kidding. You're promoting me. Surely you're joking. You think I'm smart enough to apply to that school? You're encouraging me to run for local office? LOL. You're telling me my voice is good enough to sing in the center church choir? Most of us, when we stop to think about it, have entertained angels unaware. We don't think of them as angels because we have been programmed to believe that angels should be dazzling white and all ethereal looking. And when they speak, they should sound exactly like the King James Version of the Bible. We don't expect to see angels, so we don't. That's because angels, for the most part, come and go in our life. And yet it is in those brief encounters that we are cared for in ways that are out of this world. I was talking to a family whose mother had just passed away. And three times during that conversation, they referred to the hospice worker who took care of her as an angel. Perhaps you've noticed how little children are sometimes angels. How suddenly they say something that is way beyond their age and way beyond their comprehension, something that challenges the status quo and the mind, something that pierces the heart. It comes out of nowhere. They become conduits for it. 
And many angels, I would say the majority of angels, a la A Wonderful Life, are complete strangers who suddenly appear out of nowhere. Strangers who are conduits for the Holy Spirit. Strangers who may or may not even know that they are angels. I would not be standing up here this morning had I had not had a visit from an angel just like that. I was working the day shift as a bartender in my father's restaurant. At exactly 11 a.m., the legal time to serve, a man came in and he sat down on the bar stool. He wore a tweed coat over a sweater. Nice clothing, to be sure. However, he seemed a bit disheveled, like maybe he was up all night. He ordered a Bloody Mary with extra dill. There were no other people at the bar. And as I was setting up for the day, we chatted about several things, the weather, current events, movies, books, things like that, but nothing profound. And then just like that, he stood up, and leaving more than enough cash to cover his drink, he started for the door. And that's when he said it. That's when he turned back, looked at me, and said, you'll be a good minister. Where on earth did that come from? LOL. I had no intention of being a minister. I was going to take over my father's restaurant business and make a whole lot of money. Although, during that time in my life, I was reading C.S. Lewis books and classics like Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. So maybe just like Farrell's caddy, that stranger's enunciation woke up something latent in me something waiting to be born. You'll be a good minister, and then poof, he disappeared. And I forgot all about him for a decade. And then years later, I was down on my knees in a church with a dozen people laying their hands on me, and I suddenly remembered that day. I suddenly remembered my messenger, my angel. So Advent is a time to pay attention to the angels in all of our lives, strangers who see something latent in us, something that we may feel called to, something that we may be deeply hoping for, something that we may be ignoring or repressing or running from out of disbelief or fear, which is why in the Gospels, the first words out of the angels' mouths are, be not afraid. Mary, God has chosen you for this, be not afraid. Even Joseph, Joseph, son of David, be not afraid. So be not afraid. How's that for a holiday greeting? While everyone else out there is already wishing each other Merry Christmas, the message in here is be not afraid. And yet I would submit to you this morning, that is exactly what we need to hear before we can be merry. Which means that Advent is also a time for all of us to be angels ourselves. To say to a friend, a child, a grandchild, or even a complete stranger, I am sensing something latent in you. Something calling you to rise up to this challenge, to believe in yourself. So be not afraid. A.K.A., go for it. You may not believe in you, but God does, and so do I. Mm -hmm. 
Oh.